time for John Sibi Okumu on Wednesday. Ham Jambo na Karibuni. Hello and welcome. Part of the electorate during the forthcoming general elections will be made up of Kenyan South Asians. This is the widely accepted description of citizens whose roots stem from the subcontinent, which today makes up India, Pakistan and Bangladesh. History reveals centuries-old links between South Asia and East Africa. There were South Asians who came as traders, as professionals and as laborers, the latter famously to help build the Kenya-Uganda railway about 125 years ago. After independence, many South Asians chose to use their British passports gained during the colonial era to settle in the United Kingdom. Some stayed on, but held on to their British passports. In Kenya, both groupings accounted for about 180,000 people in 1962. Today, they account for about 90,000, with about half that number being Kenyan citizens. In the UK today, two South Asians whose parents came from East Africa are Chancellor of the Exchequer and Home Secretary. But are our Kenyan South Asians, as acknowledged pillars of the business community, equally invested in the political process? Or would they much prefer, with a few exceptions, to lie low cautiously? I'll begin by asking our guest on this episode, a mystery to begin with, as you know, whether we in Kenya could have our first South Asian Barack Obama, so to speak, in the next 25 years. Hmm. I need to take a long breath for that one, John. And uh, the answer is yes. There is a very, very high possibility. Um, 25 years is not far away from a teenager just graduating from university and stepping out there into the world. And as we speak, we already have a 25-year-old South Asian in contestant. Um, he is going for the Nairobi governor ticket under the Safina party, and his name is Herman Greval. Um, I'm still trying to establish his family roots, um, but uh, he's a lawyer. From what I know, and um, you put uh, the very famous, outstanding personality's name, Barack Obama. So I think uh, similarities are already creeping up. Um, I think if this uh, young kid stays on this track, there is a high possibility, not only for him, but um, there is um, what I can say, like um, there's a change. Uh, there's, an, there's been an awakening, John, recently. Uh, and I think post-COVID, a lot of people have had time to reflect and um, just, you know, see what is your country doing for you? What is your community doing for you? What is your, you know, uh, MCA doing for you, your neighbor and your family members? It, it all started to stir up. It started to ask all these questions because suddenly you're in lockdown. You have no choice but to retrospect and um, start asking questions like, do we have enough food? Do we have access to medical health care? And then, and then you start realizing that, um, well, who's going to provide these? So they have to come from an establishment or infrastructure. Uh, the responsibility lies with the government in power. So then you start to think that um, should we start participating in any way than um, we already have been? Because don't forget the South Asian or Kenyan Asian or um, the Asians in Kenya who've been born and brought up here or even have different passports. They've been here long enough to set up huge successful businesses um, in the medical field, in the education, uh, manufacturing, I mean, you name it. So you start to question, and uh, that's what's been happening in the last, um, I could say, a year, especially. I'll take you up on one thing that you've just said, Mwanainchi, mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> and that is that uh, you described him as this young kid. Now, I don't know whether there's a word in the English language that means government by young kids, 
But I'm sort of apprehensive that somebody who's young, immature, basically knows nothing. Isn't this just a fanciful candidature? Um, I'll disagree on that one, because uh, if you've observed any children of late, um, the new uh, generation, they talk faster, run faster, know how to hold a phone faster and all that. So fast track it to a 25 year old who is of some sort of maturity, has had some education, exposure and uh, is now beginning to question and think that uh, perhaps I want to make a change or participate. And I could uh, confidently say that uh, there are many 25-year-olds and even 35-year-olds uh, South Asians who are now beginning to um, come to this realization that uh, maybe we, we can do something. I take your point entirely, but I, I if as a representative guest, Mwanaichi, I would have you represent, for example, the El Molo. Now we hear of this uh, ethnic grouping in Kenya where maybe there are just about 100 of them living on the edge of Lake Turkana. And let's assume that there was a prophetic voice emanating from somebody who was El Molo. And the idea is that they would convince, as Barack Obama did, quite beside race, quite beyond minority status, that they had a message which was so compelling that a great mass of Kenyan people who didn't belong to that minority grouping would say, we're going to vote for this leader. That's where I'm taking you, not just the definition of being South Asian. We can handle that. What are you, as a minority grouping, doing to set yourselves up to be a compelling voice? Because I think that at another part of this conversation, we could go back to the history, and I could remind you of what I remember of relations between South Asians and indigenous Kenyans, and I'd like to suggest that it's been a troubled one. But anyway, what, do you, what have you got to offer? What would you offer? Imagine that you're El Molo instead. So the offering has been, just like you're talking about El Molo, we've sat down, uh, come together, like-minded. And uh, recently, post-pandemic, um, there was this thing that since we've brought in all the minority communities together, perhaps it's time now to do something more. But the minority South Asian communities. Yes, yes. Um, you have to realize in there, there are quite a few different um, groups. Um, so to bring them all together uh, to in the face of crisis was a unique situation in the first place. So once they were all together, now the next step was, okay, we are all together. But is this it? Is there something more? Do we need to um, get to the drawing board and, um, you know, brainstorm? And that's exactly what we did. When I'm talking about we, I'm talking about an organization that is um, taking birth as we speak. It's called the United Kenyan Asians Network. And it came off uh, from this gathering where the uh, information was that let's do more, not just stay um, on the sidelines anymore and let's participate. And in this call for particip participation, it's uh, we came up with four pillars that we identified that need to be addressed. And in this one, it's um, we are talking about national influence. We're talking about economic, social and identity. And the overall objective remains the same um, from all the little minority communities that came together, and that is national development and, um, you know, the, the, the best that we can do for Kenya. Would you elaborate a little bit on the names for those who might not be in the know of the communities that have come together? Yeah, sure. Um, so one of the communities um, is the Sikh community. Um, they are easily recognizable because they wear the turban. Many people have sometimes also call them color singers. But um, that's the Sikh community. Then we have within, then we have the Ismaili community. You have the Aga Khan. Um, They're coming from there. Then you have under the Hindus, um, you have several um, different types of um, castes, you can say, um, and uh, groups. And then they, these include uh, people such as the Lohanas, the Oshwals, the Patels. So that, that's the group. And before the groups came together, would you know enough about the South Asian community at large to be able to say that in past elections, you have come out in force in order to vote? 
yes, interestingly enough. Long queues starting at three o'clock in the morning, winding all the way across values and valleys and hills. Uh, just, I think just like for everybody else in Kenya, the last election was uh, the same. Long queues, especially, of course, in the Westlands and the Parklands area. We have the highest population of the South Asians. So, yes, there was. Okay. So you are suggesting, again, mm-hmm. uh, let's look at the elections. Let's look at August the 9th. Mm. That somehow, when is this kickstart union going to make an impression on all of us? Is it for this election or the next or the one? Because I, I, I set you up by saying, would there be a president of South Asian uh, bloodline in the next 25 years? When is this all going to begin? Um, we are at the grassroots uh, level and it has already started. You could say the seeds are being planted. Um, they were, just like a think tank goes into incubation, we're, we're at that place right now. So you may not see any major uh, significant candidates or um, I don't know, perhaps even winners, because don't forget, the other thing I would like to clear up is we are not endorsing any particular party, any particular candidate or facilitating any fundraising or any of that sort for them. But we are providing a platform for uh, discussion, dialogue and mentorship and grooming. And then we've just gotten started. Okay, so again, I, I would like to take you up on that. Mm. We are not endorsing anybody uh, is a pretty challenging statement for me because it seems to suggest that there is no particular agenda set by any political grouping to which you adhere. You would go for whoever wins. Not only whoever Back, wins, yes. uh, not only whoever wins, I mean, um, because they, just like there's a winner, there's always a loser. And that's not in our hands. So it's it's starting with, does, does anybody have the interest in the first place, the passion? They want to come forward because serving the country is not everybody's, uh, you know, forte. Not everyone can do it or wants to. So it's about them coming forward and saying that um, we would like to participate in the running of the country and, uh, you know, overall national development. And then we take it from there and say, okay, we're here to give you some moral support, some guidance. And um, yeah. And what are the platforms uh, upon which the rest of the nation would see you um, operating? We would, see, would we see you on a stand um, dancing a jig with just and then declare that now you as the 44th tribe as you're now called are in to the political race uh, if you're looking for show and dance uh, I hate to spoil the party it's not going to happen at that grand stage um, it's all about working in the background and putting um, the national agenda forward so you're queen makers, yes. king makers, yes. but not kings and queens yourselves. Yes, yes. Well, uh, a good enough moment to stop for the time being, and then we shall continue. Right, just in case you've forgotten, we're on 98.4 Capital FM and our conversation continues. Uh, I would like to ask you, Mwanaichi, to go back in time. And I would ask the loaded question before I put my oar in, is how much of the history of South Asians in Kenya in particular are you aware of? As much as possible that I've been able to witness, experience, read about. Right. So let me take you back to 1972, uh, Idi Amin, Mm. uh, Uganda, Asians must go, Mm. deadline. Um, So the the parents of the likes of Rishi Sunak and Priti Patel Mm. take off. That wasn't a good moment. Uh, Followed pretty soon after by our own politicians calling for Asians must go, they run the businesses, they are the ones that are 
making it impossible for the indigenous people to take the reins of uh, economic power. Uh, uh, you think that 1982 to the present day, things have changed. In what way? They've changed. I think the biggest um, factor that has encouraged is the dual citizenship because um, just like all Asians, we were a British colony, okay? So upon independence, you had two choices. You either become a Kenyan citizen or you hold on to your British passport. And um, the Kenyatta government did not make life easy for the Asian businessman under the British passport. It was, um, they were, there was a mass exodus that happened. There was um, a situation where there was a crackdown in the sense that you are not allowed to operate in certain areas or you don't have access to trading license because you're not born Kenyan. And there was a lot of, maybe in the name of immigration or whatever. So in that respect, um, there was already a movement that started before Idi Amin. So life was a bit difficult. So those who wanted to leave left and those who stayed, stayed. So that's one starting point of where um, you can say it started. I'm going to go to 1982, mm. and we have what is referred to nowadays as the attempted coup of 1982. Yes. And there again, maybe young people here may not remember the idea of uh, South Asians being targeted and people moving across and doing committing atrocities and and abusing uh, as a as an easy target uh, targeting well we don't have to go into great detail but again a moment of great suffering for the south asian people from what i know in that point um i've heard from my grandfather and my father they have said that yes at some point they were held at gunpoint and everybody was made to, you know, lie down and all that kind of stuff. But at the end of the day, then where do you go? You know, it's not like everyone also had the chance or the will or, um, you know, pick your, pack your bags and seek asylum and go to the UK. Quite a few, for whatever reason, my grandfather tried, but apparently my grandmother didn't want to go to the UK. So I don't know, maybe family dynamics didn't make almost everybody leave as such and We've, we've stuck it around. So it doesn't irk you in some way that you are a target? You are, you're an easy target in your own society? Uh, yes, it does sometimes. I mean, uh, the usual narration is every time elections come, everybody says we, we take off and, you know, that's been the narration. But I think over the last few elections, sort of the cycle is changing and more and more, more and more of us are participating, showing up in the voting lines, want to participate. Um, so it, it's, it's not like leaving the country in droves anymore. It's a bit like, no, we have to stay resilient. It's not like election issues don't happen in any other country. They happen even in India whenever they're campaigning. It's it's really tough. So why any different? 2007, mm. December elections, post-election violence, mayhem. Where did you as a South Asian voter stand in all that? And what were your experiences? Yes, that was a really scary time. Um, seeing people um, engage in that way, um, as well as, you know, sit, just be like sitting ducks. You don't know, should I really have a passport and travel bag ready? Or because I was brave enough to stay and committed enough to vote, um, have I made a mistake? So there's a lot of um, doubt creeping in and fear, like what's next? Because then... How many of you go? <laughs> Which is the quickest route to the airport? Or if if this really gets worse, what's going to happen next? Okay, but you, you weren't, as an individual, you weren't uh, questioning your place in this society. You've mentioned the idea that there's no exit point, but you never, you're still... You're still proud to be Kenyan and to yeah. remain Kenyan. Yeah, in fact, personal story, when um, we, in 2008, um, we went to India for the first time. 
I've never been um, um, there. And we had to take um, a train ride from Delhi to Amritsar. They call it the Shitabdi Express, and it's apparently very fast and luxurious and everything, but it's not as luxurious as they say. Anyway, the point is, once we got into the train, and then, you know, you have section after section, and you're looking outside the window, and for the first time, when I saw people so poor, you know, the slumdog millionaire type, literally so poor, and then it's your same color. Personally, for me, I was like, this is, <laughs> we live in heaven. We truly, truly live in heaven. And we need to value that. We really need to value. So personally, for me, when I came back, there was a m- more intention from my part to try and keep speaking up or participating in any way possible to make things better here because whichever country you live in you're responsible also as a citizen as a citizen in that anecdote you point to i'm 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 taking the corner of the naysayer because you're you're pointing to the notion of people talk of white privilege mm-hmm. in certain areas of the world uh, i is it heaven to you because this is the land of south asian privilege no, it's not heaven in that respect. It's heaven in this respect that um, we still are a budding, young, vibrant country. There are so many opportunities. We have lived fairly quite well so far, even if the means were difficult sometimes. I mean, sometimes some people don't even believe some of us do face poverty from time to time. Even we have to look at our bank statements and wonder, are we going to really be able to pay the school fees? You know, there is this we have those times as well. So privilege in the sense that um, Kenya is still, is still by far weather-wise and so many other ways still the best. I want to suggest that, again, as a community, there's a, a kind of self-sufficiency that you've created within these various groupings. In other words, we're talking about large government. We, want, we have expectations of our government to provide good schools, good hospitals, but the South Asian community is quite capable of doing that for itself. In other words, you have your schools, you have your hospitals. So you have a government within a government. It's a kind of, you know, silo that's operating wonderfully. Is this accusation? And of course, you don't, you don't uh, say uh, other Kenyans can't come or anybody mm. can't come. Yeah, I, open I've, to all. I've been to, you know, to get my medical test done and to have myself healed in institutions that belong to this one community or another. But it still suggests that if you already have this self-sufficiency within your own community, why bother to go national? Why not? Why not? Why not use the competency and skills that we have and the, the platforms that we have to serve and to be there to include and to involve and to grow together? Why not? Right, because there's one thing you, I don't know whether you've thought this mm. through, mm. is that if you've had a moment of friction, mm. uh, a moment of tension, then always the word that follows is reconciliation. So would you like to enlighten me and our listeners as to what you've done as a community to bring about that process of reconciliation? Reconciliation. Well, we've always stood up with the leaders that have needed our support. We've always stood by business communities who've needed our support and our advice in times of crisis and, you know, being there to support them and see them through to come up with uh, whatever solution that's best for both and, you know, keep the balance still. Okay. So you... Again, we're looking to the elections, this focal <laughs> point. I've always tried to say, how can I get yeah. my guests to talk about the elections? Why do you think mm. that on August the 9th, mm. you are called upon as much as ever, more than ever, mm. to be players, to go out and exercise your vote? What are the issues that you think are central to this election? Or are you one of these people who never read the papers, Never watch TV because your explanation is it's it's all too depressing and you can't cope. Let life take care of itself. No, no. Life cannot take care of itself. You have to do something about it. Uh, I'll give you a small example. Um, The area that I live in, 
um, one message to, or let's say tweet, one tweet to my MCA that the streetlights are not working or the potholes are uh, nasty. And uh, more than often, action happens. So, I mean, I think that it does is, that goes for every citizen. That's that's the starting point. And so the election becomes important because you have the power. You have the power to elect the leaders that you feel are competent and uh, capable of running the country because you have expectations of getting um, the best. So so it's important. Again, you're representative of a, min- of a minority, mm-hmm. whether we could have we could have yes. in, and, and we may well have in, in, in the additions to come. Um, uh, so-called white Kenyan, mm-hmm. a European yes. Kenyan, and we'll be talking about identity. A Somali. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, well, we could be talking about the whole idea mm. of identity, but the idea always for those is that you do not belong and you may never belong and you're only here for the short term. Is that something that you would address and say, well, we do belong and because? We do belong because we've been part of this country for, like the way you said in your introduction, 125 years. I don't know what other testimony would give it. And we've been here, we've been productive, and there's still a big future ahead of us. I mean, look at America, full of immigrants. So what makes us any different? Okay. Well, it's uh, probably time to have uh, another stop. On we, uh, we go. I hope you're still with us listening. Uh, I'm going to read you um, part of our Constitution. Mm-hmm. And uh, we have um, Article 13 of the Constitution on citizenship. Mm-hmm. And it says, A person is a citizen by birth if on the day of the person's birth, whether or not the person is born in Kenya, either the mother or father of the person is a citizen. And further... In Article 16, a citizen by birth does not lose citizenship by acquiring the citizenship of another country. Mm. Did you know that? Before? Yes. Oh, you did? Yes. So you read your constitution daily. Yes. We need to keep up with e-citizen changes. <laughs> okay. Um, but you're you're aware at least of, of one citizen who uh, there's a, an ongoing um, debate as to you know the idea of shall i shall i not return so the sp- the, the constitution seems to be spelling out clearly that um, if you're a citizen by birth then mm. you you can so you uh, fall into uh, the category mm. of people who are citizens by birth yes we are born here i'm born here I'd like to take you back again in a personal sense in terms of history and mm-hmm. I, and identity to go back and say, what kind of South Asian are you? And the trick question thereafter, it's always good to set people up, is because there are other, there have been waves of immigration which don't particularly belong to your grouping. Yes. And then we'll have to evoke the idea of East Asians. Therefore, in other words, Asians who come from farther east. Mm. In other words... Uh, Japanese, Chinese, mm-hmm. and how you feel about this sort of, you know, you were a daughter and then you had another daughter and mummy's now taking too much energy. Are you feeling like, my goodness, where are these people and where they come from? But let's go back to you. Mm-hmm. How far back can we go, Wanangji? Um We came um, just in the nine, 1890s. That's when my great grandfather came. So why did you? Sorry, yeah, give us a bit because uh, the idea of because uh, you've talked about belonging and mm. the idea of you know, 125 years mm. is, is testament unto its own. Yes. Okay. Uh, please indulge us without unless it's it's embarrassing no. to say <laughs> how uh, we'll get to self-revelation in part four, but talk about the community at large. So um, the Sikh community to which I belong. 
We've come uh, to Kenya um, uh, for the building of the railway, for trading. We were farmers in the in India, or at that time it was Hindustan, Paki- um, both India, Pakistan. Uh, my family, in particular, um, came from Pakistan side of a uh, village called Gujramala. So you just you know better prospects. It's kind of started from there, and then you have the both the. Um, the colonies are under British rule and the railway is going on. So I'm, I'm interested in this idea of mm. within families, within communities, yes. how far back in the past any of us can go. Can I remember great grand? Yes. What was his name? What did he do? Okay, you know that you came from a village. But who came from a village? How did he get here? Where did he set up? <laughs> are you familiar with that history? Yes. Or are you just somebody who's lived as long as you've lived and have no roots, as it were? No, 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 no. We what have, are you rooted in? We have roots. Um, uh, you of, in particular. Yes, yes. Came in the Dows. Um, and my great-grandfather was a blacksmith. Um, and then, um, but uh, one thing that made him unique, which has carried on till today as tradition is... Um, uh, maybe uh, priesthood, you can call it that. Uh, so he started the him and then his sons. They started um, uh, going to Sikh temple Makindu, Makindu area, and started. Well, we associate that with the place where you can eat free yes, food. Yes, that's free right. Food whenever I'm hungry. Yes. <laughs> yes. So uh, started with the tradition of conducting prayers and singing. Um, and um, doing that very regularly. And uh, we were the first family in East Africa to have that um, uh, tradition and stuff. It's just a pity that none of the family members ever kept a hold on Sikh Temple Makindu as office bearers or anything. But uh, anyway, tradition continues. And uh, so that's been our unique uh, point. And um, yeah. So what does Kenya, being in Kenya, offered your family in terms of progression, in terms of... Do you now own a bank uh, and zoom around in yachts every sailing across the Atlantic? Do you, is that have you progressed that far in so many years? Unfortunately, not. I think a lot of attention was paid in the doing the prayers. And um, so no, um, we. No, we did not seek those uh, materialistic uh, gains or go into big businesses and all that. My family in particular, we did not do that. But there are several others who did end up becoming big in construction and um, that kind of thing. Yeah, Right. Mm. I I gave you a forewarning. That initial Mm -hmm. pioneer generation of South Asians in the modern time, not going back to Vasco da Gama and looking for spices that we learnt about in school, how do they feel about the imposition of a new type of South Asian? And dare I mention it, the thread of corruption that makes it eminently easy to become a citizen just by handing over a few million shillings. I, you'll have to go through that again. Tell me. There are new types of South Asians here. Yes, they are. And they are also Kenyan citizens. Yes. But they haven't put in the legwork. They haven't done, they haven't done their, yeah. So how do you feel about that? Uh, Yes, there's been conversations about that, that sometimes you go to the same office uh, place and you are a Kenyan born and you are, um, you know, doing the, same amount of work probably and here is somebody who has come from abroad and is treated as an expat gets expat values um and then at the same time within a short period of time um they are very well set up and they suddenly have citizenship so then um, personally there's sometimes a bit of like why but then I think what ends up happening with any particular family is that you start to say, it's okay, our means are being, you know, needs are being met. So who are we to really start getting so nitpicky about it? I'd like you to think about the world at large and Mm -hmm. and the idea that um, if you read in the papers this whole idea of conservative, conserve our primary values so that if you're French, you want France to remain 
the France of the French. Mm. Uh, if you're American, you want it to be the and the idea that people should turn up from Somalia, from Ethiopia, and have as much right as you to a full and productive life. You find sort of odious, and uh, you go to the streets, and you. So, at what point do we exclude the outsider? At what point is the outsider no longer welcome? I think that's a tough one because if you look at the world and all the movement that's happening, I mean, anybody can settle anywhere for whatever reason. With the war that's going on in Ukraine, they've got no choice but to run. People who are running from Libya had no choice but to run. But then there's the voluntary migration that you specifically choose, say, I intentionally want to go to, say, Australia. And they have their system. So... But when you're going through that, you must also have that conscious and open mind that, like you said, the French values. Like, uh, I remember a comment by Christine Lagarde saying that um, if you come to France, you have to live like the French. I mean, surely there is only certain bandwidth that will be allowed to incorporate your values at the same time. We do have certain freedoms, but at the same time, you know you're, you know willingly you're coming here and we have our own identity. So there has to be a compromise. Okay, then I'm going to ask you, I, 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 mm-hmm. I gave you time to think for the subconscious to roll. Uh, what about um, the entry of the Chinese in our community? So, I mean, is, uh, again, in mm-hmm. terms of I should assume, mm-hmm. according to Plan A, that they don't have citizenship. That's a sort of given. Yes. <laughs> Let's make these basic assumptions mm-hmm. that they're not going to be voting on August mm-hmm. the 9th, but they're building our infrastructure on a daily basis, 15 floor flats, um, schools, railways, trams. Mm-hmm. Surely the idea is that if we work it out, um, they're here to stay. Yes, uh, possibly they are here to stay. I mean, I think nobody, well, we didn't really notice them much until when the whole, um, you know, the um, superhighways and all that started uh, getting built, and especially the SGR. That's when you suddenly notice that even they're wearing the uniform and all those kinds of things. Yes, but let me be specific, because I don't want to make you some sort of, Mm -hmm. uh, I'm saying the idea of welcoming the outsider. Uh, Should Kenya and Kenyans welcome all outsiders with equal affection because they're human beings like us. Do you do you do you follow that line of thinking? Uh, I think Kenya, including any other country, has to have a vetting process. Not just anyone and everyone can come and do anything and everything they want to do. There has to be some kind of purpose. So. Yes, there has to be some policies in place. Uh, it's not like not Everybody is welcome, but there has to be some kind of uh, lines drawn. The other sticking point in that particular question is that even for our Wetu, Wetu, Wetu Damu, you have this idea of of language Mm -hmm. and its centrality. So we get into this whole sort of ngugi wa diongo. If we don't, if we lose our languages, you know, we've lost everything that particular argument, they're people of your generation and of your mm. provenance mm. who would say to this thing, well, I don't speak Kiswahili. I don't. Um, so English is our language and will be. Um, I, I'll speak for myself. Um, I personally have problems speaking Kiswahili, even though I've been here plenty of years. For some reason or the other, it just doesn't seem to catch on with me but it's not like I do not understand and there's no respect given um, even though um, I cannot answer back in the same language but I see I see the benefit of knowing it because if you look at the youth today that is their language to communicate if you cannot communicate with them or just generally with the one angie yes you are um, at a disadvantage so what should we be vetting? When I talk to people who want to become Canadian citizens, they have to go through this whole rigmarole of learning how to speak French before they end up in Quebec, whatever it is, being able to find out you know, how many um, stems in a yeah. uh, maple tree. 
what's our vetting process going well, to be? Just because like, because yeah. the idea. Let's go to all. Let's pull out all yeah. the all the little animals and big animals in the closet, yeah. whatever size. Let's not pick on elephants. Some of the the animals in the room are uh, that we are now going through a new post-colonial mm. invasion by mm. outsiders mm. and a new pillaging of our national patrimony or matrimony. Uh, do you as a Kenyan, Mwanainchi, subscribe? Or maybe you don't think about these things. It's, that's, a good, that's a good answer. No, I think just like the way the UK government takes you for the I, the English exam, why shouldn't we do that the same as well for Kiswahili? Why not? It can. In which fun. case, you would you would uh, belatedly begin to take Kiswahili lessons. Yes, I ca- would. In case you yourself flunked them. Yes, and relive my O level failures. <laughs> oh dear, we we but can't. Coming back to Chinese, John. Right, yeah. Realistically speaking, yes. how else do you catch up? to a development how else so let it be one of the ways well uh, at perhaps a, a topic for another day and another mm. time because the idea is that over the generations we have our own highly skilled mm. people who know how to build dams and bridges and whatever and maybe the south asians can bring in this idea of a value system yes because the idea is that when we have our construction workers uh, there's so much corruption that the first thing that you do before build the road is to make sure that your takeaway is that you'll become a billionaire do you think that your community's value systems uh, are would take us to another level if this 25 year old gentleman were to become governor of nairobi Yes, I do think based so. Based on what? Based on their track record of delivery, of integrity, and uh, of, uh, yeah, there are enough examples of leaders and what they've done and the sustainability processes that they've uh, they've put in from family businesses to handing over. And, you know, just having a vision and innovating all the time and keeping up, yeah. I'd like you to comment on South Asian philanthropy. Yes, sure. And the idea that, again, maybe that's part of the value system that you've done. Uh, are they taking away the duties of government and because of a belief system and karma and doing things that the government ought to be doing um, to have better lives in the next life? Well, um, as most religions have um, a quarter that um, 5% of what you earn, you must give it back to society. So if that's the starting point and if it's going in larger numbers as a South Asian community and perhaps, yes, maybe sometimes we are building more schools than what the government can catch up with. Right. It's okay. It's just okay. But you don't, you don't make a point of, of putting a policy in place. You are supplementing, not suggesting a way forward. So you're not part of the national debate. You're not part of uh, curriculum-based curriculum versus 844. You'll just say we'll build schools. But the citizen ought to be engaged to be a player in the process of and change. that is the reason why UCAN is here. Right. Yes. Time for another break. Maybe the last one. Uh, this is the point uh, in our recipe where I ask for you to reveal yourself. I'm sure all your friends and relatives and intimates have worked out who you are, but hoping that we've got an audience of thousands spread across uh, continents. Who are you? I am a woman who is starting her next uh, journey. Um, name, name, would name. Help. your name. Oh, I oh. am Jiminy Cricket. <laughs> <laughs> I wish not Pinocchio. <laughs> okay, okay. Uh, so my name's Harleen Kaur Jabal. Yeah. Born and brought up here in Nairobi, and um, um, third generation. And uh, yeah, I'm a woman heading to the next chapter of my life as a qualified psychologist. Mm. Right. Yeah. 
Okay, we're going to go back to um, now that we've established <laughs> who you are. We're going to go back to this idea of um, names. Mm -hmm. uh, we had um, Indians. No, we don't want that. We had um, Asian mm. Africans. No, we don't want that. And we know that people are trying very much to define themselves. Again, I want you to see where I'm coming from. Otherwise, it's entirely unfair. This idea of the criticism mm. always that South Asians have refused to integrate fully into the society mm. uh, in a way that perhaps uh, Europeans do. Um, so I'd like for you to, to, to comment on, first of all, a naming procedure, whether you're now happy to be called Kenyan South Asians, whether you think it's inadequate, and why, in a manner of speaking, you remain to be perceived as a race apart? Mm. So I, I'm comfortable with Kenyan Asian. Um, I draw from the example of British Asians. Um, yes, they have the word South Asians as well, because they have a cluster of countries that they've included. Uh, India, Pakistan, uh, Bangladesh, Sri Lanka, and I think Afghanistan as well. Whereas uh, here we are still counting India, Pakistan and Bangladesh. Um, however, um, I think s South gets a bit more specific, but for personally for me, I think Kenyan Asian is fine. Okay. Hmm. So... Um I, I would ask you mm -hmm. uh, on the idea of integration. Don't 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 think of it as a personal question. I'm just asking you. The idea is, what do you if 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 there were to be a union mm -hmm. between you and a quote unquote indigenous Kenyan, um, what what would be the obstacles to the, such a union? Because uh, otherwise, people people avoid mm -hmm. things because mm -hmm. they would present problems. Mm -hmm. So. Um, could you articulate? Yes, they, uh, they articulate. Do, sorry, they do present problems. I mean, in the first place, when you're looking at uh, marriage as a union, you have to consider the fact that this is a partnership that is, well, hopefully forever or whatever till death do you part. Um, but it's it's not just only about you know just having um, a person who loves you or you want to be with them or you know you're so excited and all those you're attracted to each other and all that. That doesn't pay bills. You have to have a focus on your financial planning. You have to have a focus on your social planning. For example, religion, culture, these all impact not only yourselves. I mean, the next argument you're going to have is um, tomorrow is Christmas. Are you coming to church with me? You know, you have to think these things through because they do not only affect you as spouses. They affect the two families involved. So, Either you're in complete alignment, whichever uh, person you are with, and you proceed, or even within the same community, you can be the two Sikhs getting married and you're still not getting along on these things. So then it's just not worth the crisis to go through. Come the elections, let's yeah. bring that E word in again. Yes. Uh, uh, the, the, the idea of a, a very conservative society. Do you feel that people of your generation, as opposed to your mums and dads and grandpas, have given women more of a, a voice, more of the capacity to make their own decisions? Or would you do what the Buanamkuwa says? There is a shift. Yes, there is a shift. The women are um, more independent than before. Yes. Right. I'm, I know more about you than my listeners. <laughs> and I know that behind that name Jabal mm -hmm. uh, for Kenyans is the name Makan Singh. Yes. Now, tell those who don't know, and I can assure you <laughs> that there are many. Yes. Uh, I'd take a bet on it. Tell me first who Makan Singh was in Kenyan history and how you are linked to him as an individual. With uh, a lot of pride and respect, um, freedom fighter, um, you know, standing up for the workers. Tell us more. Tell us more. You're making <laughs> assumptions. Oh, my gosh. Uh, I wish you'd spend years like me a being a teacher. Poetry, right. um, a man who wrote poetry, a family what, man. Who's, what, did, what did he yeah. do? What are his dates? 
What are his dates? What did he do? What did he do? He did a lot. <laughs> I want to know. We want to know. Well, he's been a very influential player in the making of Kenya. So he set the tone for standing up for rights, for laborers, for wages, uh, for unions. So he's significant for all those movements. Uh, well, I guess I know more than you. <laughs> yes, maybe. Uh, well, the thing is, I, I think... <laughs> I know the family side. <laughs> I, I think um, uh, I think, uh, I think I ought to lead you to Zarina Patel's book, Unbowed. <laughs> Have you read it? No, I've read the Durrani book. Ah, mm. but that's a short one. Have mm. you read Zarina Patel's book on the subject? No, I think you're going to give it to me on my way out now. <laughs> yeah, but I think... I think we should acknowledge that um, Makan Singh, as the as a key player in the trade union movement, mm. as maybe the statistic is unknown to many, uh, he, in terms of detention, yes, uh, was the longest serving detainee in in Kenya's history. Yes, that's right. But in in what what is interesting here mm. is that names like Makan Singh. Mm. G.L. Vidyarthi, yes. uh, Pio Gama Pinto, Pinto yes. uh, if you would, Joseph Murumbi, that these were people of South Asian heritage yes. who were also clamoring for independence at the time. Yes. So if they were, if you do you think again that in the years that have followed their passing mm. that enough people have been wanting to continue to to, to take on the baton and move. In other words, has change been as swift as it might have been? No, change has not been as swift as it might have been. Predictable question. Yeah. Why? Well, why? Why are the? What are the impediments to social enlightenment? Um, like I said before, I mean the fact that uh, trading became difficult and mm. a bit of a harassment issue post-independence, mm. then you have the situation where you have to start to think that why don't I just make my ends meet or just leave the country. And then by the time you're settling down, uh, you know, we, Kenya has ha had so many changes from single to multipartism and then right. post-election violence. And now we are here yeah. with a new generation that has been observing or has come back from their studies and are now starting to plan and discuss with families and asking moms and dads, okay, so how come we're, we, we're still here? Hmm. So that's what they so so the question is now the conversations at home are starting to kick in over a dinner table like Makan Singh, his son, uh, Hinpal uncle. We always meet up and we're always discussing that first, what have we done? Or what are we achieving? And secondly, what is our community doing this? Now we talk about the Sikhs. Then we go to the rest of the South Asians. And then finally, we get to the topic of, okay, what is what is the rest of Kenyans doing? So th that's now really getting all up. And I think um, the reason for that is also the exposure that has come up. And the role models around the world, because of internet and all this digital freedom, we have more that we can look up and say, I mean, when Obama did it, I, that was history. So whoever we are alive to see it, so why not believe in change? Change for everybody. But use your history as the roots that, that had the power, you know, that set the tone. It's time to go back and revisit and say, can we really, really continue? That's where I would put it out. If you go to the museum... Mm -hmm. Now I can call you Arlene. <laughs> yes. There is a section yes. at the Nairobi Museum. Yes. Uh, and I'm just thinking now, maybe I got the title of um, Zarina's book wrong and confused <laughs> it. One guy in my eyes. Wasn't it but, unquiet? Ex yes. Yeah. Unquiet. See, I know something. <laughs> right. I, I, I'm sorry. I'm forever apologizing. But you sorted me out. Yeah, Unquiet is the book by mm. Zarina Patel. Mm. The... Uh, the museum, mm. there is this one section which is dedicated to the contribution of South Asian yes, society. Right. Is that enough to have a little corner and a little nook and cranny in a corner section, whatever, having walked hours to find it there? In other words, this the, you mentioned the institution that you had, you're going to create. Mm. Among your discussions... Mm. Is there an idea of social sensitization, mm. education, so that 
negative perceptions of the South Asian community might be dispelled by yes. the truth of history. Yes. Um, the little corner of the museum is just the beginning, and it's a good start. And there's still a long way to go, and there are many creative ways of still keep uh, or start the sensitization, and that's going to be part of one of our pillars is the identity pillar. It will happen. Right. We're going back to where we started. <laughs> yes. And we're making the question much more specific. Yes. I'm going to bet you that the young man uh, who is 25 mm. might not make it this time. Yes. I, whenever you go to a meeting and you have action, you know, mm. to do, to deliver, what will make? the South Asian voice, in your opinion, mm -hmm. what is the, the tipping point that will make Kenyans listen to people because of what they have to offer in terms of ideology and political programs rather than race and ethnicity? be all very nice for a South Asian to be the president, President mm -hmm. Patel, President Singh, wonderful. Mm. But... We're not there yet. Mm. And even us, the coalitions that we're seeing in places like, you know, X plus Y in this jigsaw, if we bring in these, if the mm. Kamba boat comes in, deputy president, this is what we're going through. So, but we're not discussing ideas. We're just discussing sums. That wonderful thing. What is, yeah, the tyranny of numbers. What was that wonderful quote that we hear? Will it forever be the tyranny of ethnic numbers? Yeah, I think it's. Uh, I think if we take a similar path to what's been going on globally, because don't forget we live in a very visual world, and there is a lot of care taken or selection now in casting uh, more than just one white lead in a say TV series or or a movie. Just like that's happening, I think. If that change starts to happen, where you start seeing more South Asians in relevant positions and their work speaks for itself, then we have started. Okay. Mm. And uh, <coughs> the personal question. You've been so eloquent on behalf of your community. Mm -hmm. uh, the trick question is, can we hear it for the first time uh, on this platform that you have political ambitions? Um, no, I don't. I would prefer to be in the back. back um, no, I don't have any political. I, no, but I always, yeah. I, always find it, I always find it very strange when, when, when people point to leadership, but they uh, do not want to lead. Now, if you, if you put that question yes, yes. back to me, because I'm being unfair, I would say that perhaps by temperament, looking mm. myself as an individual, mm. uh, I do not have the wiring to be a politician. So yeah. I, I wouldn't last very long. But I, I do have, I, I'm just saying, uh, I withdraw. Uh, I'd much rather write a novel or a play or that, you know, that's my particular gift to, to observe society. So what is lacking in your temperament that would make you not wish to lead? Um what is lacking is I think I don't have enough grit that it takes to withstand mm. the ups and downs. And um, I'd rather I'm good at talent spotting and grooming and putting the paper to uh, the yeah the ideas to the paper. But it's true. Like you said, it's easy to criticize from the other point of view until you actually sit in the hot soup. So I don't know. Time will tell. Right, so we look forward to that. Well, um, unfortunately, or fortunately for those who are bored, <laughs> uh, our conversation has to come to an end. But I'll tell you a little fun fact, and that is one has to research these things. And I discovered, I looked at all these uh, South Asians who'd made it in the big time and had roots, the, mm. uh, Google, Wikipedia, whatever it is. And I came across the interesting fact that Dev Patel, yes. he of Slumdog yes. Millionaire, the great Dev Patel, yes. is uh, one of us. Not, yes. just, not just Barack Obama, but um, we're right there. So yes. there's Lupita yes. and there's Dev. Dev, definitely. Yeah. Uh, so, um, and I hope he comes back home because he probably is owed citizenship. Mm -hmm. So um, 
Thank you very much for being my guest. Thank you, John. Ms. Harleen Jabal. Mm-hmm. And uh, for those of you who've been listening, thank you for your time. Thank you for indulging us. Do continue to give us feedback, hopefully positive and reassuring, on the Twitter handle at Capital FM Kenya or drop us a text or WhatsApp message on 0701-984-984. Till next time. Capital FM